0: I want you to take your Bible and I want you to turn with me to the book of Daniel. If you'll find the Psalms, start turning right, you'll run into some prophets. You'll see Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. If you see guys like Obadiah and Zephaniah, you've gone too far. Come back. Daniel chapter 3. While you're finding that, let me say this. I understand we've had a little bump in our equipment that we're dropping the signal a little bit here and there. And just hang on with us. It'll be back within a minute or two, but we're going to do something this week, put in some new stuff and hopefully that'll, it'll take care of that problem. Since everybody else's stuff is not working right for us, we're just going to buy our own and run the show ourselves. And that way we'll know we stay connected with you because I hate to to fuss at you and you not hear me fuss the whole thing through. I want you to hear the whole deal. All right. We're going to have a great time this morning. I believe God has a word for you today from his word. And we're going to talk today about stop smoking and start shining. You need to stop smoking and you need to start shining from the book of Daniel. And we're going to look at this today. This is one of the best known passages in the Bible. It's a familiar Bible story that everybody knows about. We don't need a Bible story. We don't need a bedtime story. The Bible is God speaking to you. Now we're going to hear this today and I want us to say, what are you saying to me? I believe I'm unusually anointed this morning to bring a specific word for such a time as this in our land right now through this passage. I want you to hear it. It's a little bit lengthy, so I'm going to summarize it. Uh, this takes place, uh, the country of Babylon ruled the world at the time. This is about 600 BC, 600 years before Jesus was born. Babylon ruled the world. They had just crushed the nation of Israel. They had destroyed Israel. And what they had done, they had captured Israel's brightest, best young men, scholars, and brought them to the country of Babylon. They trained them in their ways and they put these men to work in the government. So they, they took the, uh, they did a brain drain on Israel. They took the best Israel had, young men, brought them to Babylon, trained them in their ways and uh, they've got them working in the government now. Alright, something happens here. This king who was a His name was Nebuchadnezzar, and he was a weirdo to say the least. Sort of reminds you, of rocket man down there in North Korea. He's sort of a weirdo. And uh, this guy, he, he one day, he had a tremendous ego. So he builds a statue of himself, 90 feet tall, made out of gold. And he says to the nation, this is your God now, and you're going to worship this idol. And he said, we're going to have a dedication ceremony. And here's what we're going to do. The moment the music starts, everybody in this nation is going to bow down and get on your face on the ground. And you're going to worship my statue. Got a little bit of an ego problem. And uh, you're going to worship my statue. And if you don't worship my statue, you're going to get killed. So he had more than an ego problem. And he said, this is what we're going to do. So on the set, the set day came that all the musicians and it names all the instruments had them all lined up. And as the musicians began to play, everybody in that nation laid down on the ground, bowed down and worshiped his idol one problem. There were three men, three of these Hebrew young men, young scholars who said, well, we're not going to bow down to your idol. And they refused to bow down. Now the king didn't see it. Some snitches went and told the king and said that those, because they didn't like these Jewish boys anyway. You know, they were so smart. I think a bunch of snitches just didn't like them. So they went and told the king, there were three Hebrews who did not bow down to your idol and they're supposed to be killed. Now you can tell the king liked these guys. That he knew him personally. Apparently they were in his administration because he said no, don't kill him. Let's give him another chance. And he brought him to himself and Daniel 3 brought him to himself and he said I understand that you didn't understand the directions on this bowing down thing. And he said I'm going to give you another chance. We're going to play the music one more time. Cue the music boys. We're going to play the music one more time. And when the music plays you're going to bow down. And, and if you bow down everything will be fine. We'll keep going like we are. You know you can keep driving your government car and we'll, all that. But If you don't bow down, I'm going to throw you into the furnace we heat the palace with. And I'm going to heat that palace up. I'm going to heat the furnace up. I'm going to throw you in that palace. Now you've got a decision to make. So they're faced with a decision. Some people would say, can't you just cross your fingers and just tell God I'm just playing their stupid little game? Can't you just bend a little bit not to hack the guy off? They've got to make a decision. And so here's their answer to the king in Daniel chapter 3. Uh, verse 18, excuse me, 16. Daniel chapter 3 verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. Now let me stop right there and say this. I don't take much faith. Everybody knows God is able. I, I hear people say all the time, we believe God can do this Well, that didn't worth a lot right there. Watch this though, verse 17. But they went on to say, our God is able to deliver us from the burning firing furnace and he will deliver us. A big difference right there. It's one thing to say, God can help this family. God can get this out of my life. God can fix me. It's another thing to say, and he's going to do it. He will deliver us. Uh, But they didn't stop there from your handle, verse 18. But if not, Let it be known to you, O king, we will not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. And they said to the king, we're not going to bow and we're not going to burn. Basically what they said was, stick it in your ear. We're not going to do it. And so they make this announcement. Well, that did not go over well with the little rocket man in Babylon. there. And apparently that offended his ego. And the Bible said he didn't get angry. The Bible said he was furious. And he commanded the furnace to be heated seven times hotter. He was so ill. And the Bible said he commanded his best warriors, grab them. There were three of them, grab them, throw them in that furnace. They grabbed them and they went to the mouth of the furnace and threw them in. And the heat was so hot that it killed the men who threw them in. A little side lesson here. Be careful throwing people into fire. The very fire you want to throw them in might be the fire to bite you. Uh, the Bible says in several places, "He who rolls a stone will have it rolled back on him; he who digs a pit will be the first one to fall." That's a little side. I just throw that in for free. Be careful throwing folks in the fire. So they threw him in the fire, and uh, there's a problem now. They went into the fiery furnace. Let's look in verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors did we not throw three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, true old king, yep, three. And verse 25, look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they're not hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of God. What in the world's going on here? So they throw these guys in this fire that kills the people that threw it in and instead of frying to a crisp, you know, it must've killed them guys quick. They had enough sense to throw them in and back up. You should have been instantly toast. And instead of them being fried, they're just walking around in the furnace. But now there's four of them. And one of them that's in there looks different from the other three. And the king is a state, what, What's going on here? And, and, and he's just, he, I thought we threw, th- did we not throw three in And they said, yep, you threw three in. He said, how come there's four in there? And what is it about that fourth guy that looks so different? He said, he looks like the son of God. All right, this causes a change in the king's attitude. Verse 26, Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fire furnace and said, uh, Shadrach, y'all come out of there. Just come on out. All right, they came out. Now verse 27 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And the satraps, in other words, all the king's helpers gathered around them and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected. The smell of fire was not on them. They didn't even smell like smoke. We need to quit smoking and start shining. Yeah. So they wouldn't, would you, would, you, would you all mind stepping out? So they step out and the I don't know what they did. Apparently they just stood there with their hands in their robes and they're just standing there and all the officials gather around and they're looking and they look at their hair. It's not sins. And they're, they're smelling them. They don't even smell smoke. This doesn't make a lick of sense. This makes no sense whatsoever. That's not the end of the story though. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar verse 28. I love this one too. Spoke saying, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who sent his Just a few minutes ago, he didn't even believe in this God. Just a few minutes ago, he was God. He thought he was the God to be worshiped. And now what's he doing? Now he's worshiping the God he didn't even believe in. And uh, he got a little carried away in verse 29. This guy's got some serious problems. He said, I make a decree. If you don't worship this God, we'll tear you from limb. He just wanted to tear something up. Verse 30, then the king promoted the very men he threw in the fire. This is one of the greatest stories in the Bible, but we need to get this out of the child's bedtime story category. And we need to get this into the God is talking to me category. This is a message from God to you. This is a message from heaven. And I'm gonna go and give you the conclusion real quick. Here's the message from heaven for every person right now. I'm gonna grow your faith to the place where nothing can bother you. I'm gonna grow your faith to the place that nothing that happens to you can touch you. No fear, no worry, no anxiety. I want you to have this boldness that comes from this kind of faith so that nothing that happens around you can ever rock your world again. This again is a passage as last Sunday about great faith, growing our faith to the point to where nothing in this world can rock our faith. And let me tell you what this, let me know what this really is right here. This is a promise. This is a promise from heaven that God can grow your faith to the place to where nothing can rock you. Now, I know people think we're going through a difficult time in this nation right now. Let me point something out from scripture here. Any way you cut it, murder trumps Corona. Their faith stood up to murder. I don't know what could happen to you worse than a demon-possessed king try to murder you. And uh, their faith had no problem handling this king whatsoever with this situation. This is a promise from God that he wants to grow your faith to that place. So let's look at it. Number one, do you have the correct goal in life? Here we go again. Do you have the correct goal in your life? Everybody's got a life goal. We may never have written it down. We may never have articulated it. But I bet you if I spent three days with you, I could tell you what your life goal is. Everybody's got a life goal, and we've got to get the correct life goal. Is your life's goal a fire free life with no fire, no problems, no troubles, ease and comfort? If that is your goal, you need to go ahead and move off this planet now. You're on the wrong planet if that's your goal. Let me tell you what your goal needs to be. Instead of a fire free, comfortable life, your goal needs to be a faith that is so great that no fire can rock it. We need to switch from a fire free life. To a great faith life. A faith that is so great that nothing can rock it. Tremendous faith. And uh, If your goal is, I meet believers all the time, their goal is to find a comfortable place. Might I suggest Mars. I understand Elon Musk is trying to get to Mars. You might want to go there. But there's no place left on this planet where you're not going to get rocked from now on. So we've got to get our goals correct. Number two, faith commands fear to stick it in its ear. Faith will command fear. Listen, you cannot, there is no detente between faith and fear. There was no negotiating with the king. They just told the king, stick it in your ear, dear. We have no fear. You can't balance faith and fear. Where there is faith, there will be no fear. Where there is fear, there can be no faith. Do you ever wonder why Jesus Christ said over and over and over, as he did last week with Mark 4, when he said, listen to these words, why are you so afraid? how is it that you have no faith? The two can never exist. Well, surely I don't need to open the Bible and teach you that our thing is faith and not fear, that our God's a God of faith and not fear. But there has to come a place of boldness in our lives to where we decide faith instead of fear. And it just simply boils down to, it's just decision time. Now they had to make a decision. Let me ask you a question. Do you think they felt fear? I mean, they're standing there and the whole nation's watching and the king is fierce and the fire is hot. Do you think they felt fear? You know good and well they did. You know good and well they did. The issue is not, when the Bible said fear not, over 300 times in that book it says fear not. You think he's trying to tell me and you something? It did not say don't feel fear. It said don't listen to it. You can fear not with your knees knocking together. The issue is not, do you feel fear? The issue is, do you let fear dictate your life? Uh, and it was decision time for them. Here's what the decision was. Are you going to listen to your fears or are you going to listen to your God? Now, you know why they didn't bow down? You says because they're a bunch of belligerent fundamentalists. You just want to make a hard time. <laughs> no, that's not it at all. You know why they wouldn't bow down? Anybody here of Exodus chapter 20? Does anybody know what Exodus chapter 20 is? A lot of ministers in our nation, they believe it's the 10 suggestions. It is the 10 commandments. What is the first commandment? I am the Lord your God and you shall have no other gods. You shall make no image, nor shall you bow down to it. And they had their God saying, don't bow down to that. Their fears said, you put bow down and you're going to die. Cross your fingers, hope to die, you'll be all right. And they had to make a decision. If they had done what they felt, they would have bowed down. Let me point something out. Thousands of young Jews came with them to Babylon. Guess what they were all doing? They were all on their face. But they had to make a decision. Am I going to let this word rule in my life? Or am I going to let my emotions rule in my life? Am I going to let fear tell me what to do? Or am I going to let my God tell me what to do? Listen, faith is not fancy. It's not, it just simply means this word rules. God's word rules in my life. And, and we need to make a decision. And we need to go ahead and decide this thing. As a matter of fact, let me point something out to you. Did you notice that when the king challenged them, they didn't have to have a conference? They didn't have to call their pastor. That issue had already been settled. There's some things we need to go ahead and decide. We need to make up our minds about some things before the situation ever arises so that when it does come up, we don't need to call anybody. We're done. Let's nail this thing down. The only thing... We are a land full of people straddling the fence. I want to make an announcement. The only thing you ever going to get straddling the fence is a sore crotch. You need to make up your mind. Choose ye this day, not when it comes, choose ye this day whom you will serve so that when it comes, you've already made the decision. Come hell or high water, I have decided to follow Jesus. And, and I love what they said. My God can do this. My God will do this. But if he don't, I'd rather die than worship you, sucker. And we need to reach a place where we... You know how you really... What does the Bible say is the one thing you can do to take the club out of your enemy's hand? They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they done made up their minds. They loved their lives, not unto the death. Do you understand? No enemy has any control over a person who's not scared to die. It's been said that you, the great general MacArthur said that it's crazy. People say you win a war by being willing to die for your country. You win wars by getting other people to be willing to die for theirs. The the enemy can do nothing with a man who has no fear or a woman who has no fear. And apparently they had none. And we need to go ahead and make a decision. All right, number three. Faith can see something nobody else can see. Faith, Faith is nothing but being able to see what other people can't see. Let me quote it to you. The great definition of faith in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11, verse one says this, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not yet seen. You say, how do you know they had faith? What did they say in that verse? Our God is able. Well, I don't take much faith there. Our God will. That's right. How'd they know that? How did they know that? How did, how, you see, they saw this deliverance before anybody else saw it. I guarantee you a dollar to a donut. That's how we bet where I'm from. Dollar to a donut. As they were being drugged away by the military police in that country, as they were being drugged away, their friends, the other Jews who were bowing down, were weeping and begging them, can't y'all just bow down? Come on, come on. We, we hate to get y'all killed. Can't you just bow? Just one time. God won't take it serious. You can repent. But you know what? They saw something other people can't see. They knew that their God was able. and No big deal there. They knew he was going to. You say, well, do you think he told them that? Yeah, he told them that. Let me tell you how these boys knew that. Number one, they owned the Bible. Number two, they read it. Number three, they believed it. They got their faith in the same place you get yours. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, let me point something out here and see if you agree with me on this. That bold faith they had that delivered them, they didn't get it between being arrested and getting to the king. They didn't get it in two minutes. They had to have been building that faith for a good while before they got there. Listen to me. Here's a word for you in this country from now on. You need to get, get to be knowing your God and building your faith now. You don't get this kind of stuff in the moment. We need to be getting to know our God and building our faith right now. And they knew something that nobody else could see, and they just they hung on to it like that. Let me tell you what they knew they knew the Bible and they believed that the Bible was God speaking and it was down in their hearts, they knew that they were following the God of Romans 8, 28. What if one verse in the Bible was true? For your life, just your personal life, what if one verse was true? What if we didn't wish or hope or think? What if we knew? What if we knew that God is causing everything to work together for good to those who love Him and have given their life to His purpose? What if something terrible happens, but you knew God is in this, and He's going to cause this thing to work together for His purpose and my good? Did you know if you if you ever reach a place where you believe Romans eight twenty eight, nothing will ever happen to you again that can rock your world. If that one verse is true, you say, well, I, you're going to put your whole future on one verse. Let me make an announcement: If any verse in this book collapses, the whole book collapses, and we're all going to hell. You can, you, can, you can stack your life on this word, on God's truth. You can stack your life on it. And they knew that he was that God. They knew that he was capable of doing that. All righty. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to point something out to you here. And I, please, we're having trouble getting this. But I'm going to keep saying it until we get it. But we're going to get this. God Almighty has a track record of the way he works with people. Okay. That's why the Bible said, teach us your ways. He has ways he deals. In other words, you, you get to know the guy and you realize, oh, this is how he does stuff. You understand what I'm saying here? Teach us your ways. Well, he has a track record and we find his track record in the Bible. All right, here's his track record. Are you ready? The God of this Bible, he doesn't deliver people from trouble. He delivers people in trouble. That's right. I'm sorry. You say, I don't like that. Well, tell him when you get there. His track record is not to keep people out of trouble. Do I need to go through the list? Moses, David, Daniel, Jehoshaphat, Simon. Do I need to go through the list? This book screams, I am not going to deliver you from trouble. I'm going to deliver you in trouble. Let me show you my go-to on this one. Isaiah chapter 43. This is my favorite. There are a number in here. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 43. And you need to mark this. Get this. Hold on to this. This is not only a promise. This will teach you the ways of God right here. I thought years ago as a young man, I heard about this faith movement going on in the body of Christ. And I sort of paid attention to a little bit. Let me tell you what I heard in that faith movement. If you have enough of a faith, that's how grandma used to say it, enough of a faith. If you just had enough of a faith, nothing bad had ever happened to you. Well, doesn't that sound peachy keen? Just one problem with it. Test everything. Hold on to what's good and what's the rest of it. Throw the rest of it in the garbage. This book doesn't teach that. Let me tell you this book. This book teaches something better than a trouble-free life. This is more fun. I want you to read with me Isaiah chapter 43. This is the voice of God right here. But now, thus saith the Lord, thus saith who? Thus saith the Lord who created you. Let me me just pause right here. What if God Almighty sent an angel and that angel appeared to you? Number one, it wouldn't look like some fat little dude playing a harp on a cloud. He'd scare you spitless because they're warriors. If an angel appeared to you and after you got over being terrified of him, he were to give you a word from God, would you believe it? The answer is yes. Well, what if God thundered from heaven and you heard his voice from heaven like they did on the Mount of Transfiguration? Would you believe it? Well, it's not happening. Psalm 107.20 He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. You say, man, if an angel would come, he's not sending an angel. He sent his word. He's not going to speak from heaven. He's speaking from his word. So here's his word. Thus saith the Lord. He speaks to you and me. He who formed you, Israel. Watch these words. Fear not. There it is again. Over 300 times. Fear not. I have redeemed you. You know what it means? Fear not. I've redeemed you. I nailed my son to a cross for you. You don't think I'll buy you groceries? I, I killed my own. I killed the son I love for you. You don't think I'll take care of this? Fear not, I redeemed you. Everything else is downhill from that. I mean, this is Romans 8:31 in a nutshell. He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with Jesus freely give us everything else? Listen, a man that'll kill his son for me will pay my power bill. That's why he said, Fear not. Don't you ever doubt it? All right, verse, here's the wonderful part: verse 2. I've called you by name, remember, verse 2. If you pass through the waters. Sorry, guys. When you pass through the waters. I, and by the way, it's not talking about walking through a mountain stream. This is talking about a flood, a storm flood that threatens to kill you. I will be with you. All right. They shall not overflow you. Watch this one. When you walk what? Through the fire, you shall not be burned nor shall the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Deliverer. Now, did it say you will not walk through the fire? Did it say if you walk through the fire, or did it say when? But what did it say? Did it say when you die in the fire? Or did it say when you walk what? (laughs) The Bible said over and over, it came to pass and it came to pass and it came to pass. Bad things happened. It came to pass. Listen to me. It came to pass. It didn't come to stay. It came to pass. Yea, though I walk through and the valley of the shadow of death, that's not talking about funeral time, although it's a great, you can use that for that. It was a dangerous place right outside of Jerusalem where bandits robbed people. I'm not going to live in the valley of the shadow of death. I'm going to walk through it. And when you walk through the fire, I will be with you. All right, question. Where do you experience God at? Do you experience him on a retreat center, in a cushy place, singing soft music? Or did they experience God in the fire? If you look back and we won't do it, but back in Daniel 3, 25, when did the son of God walk with them? In the fire. It's in the fire. It's in the storm. It's in the difficult places. That's where God shows up. That's where you find him at. This is one of the great promises. I, I just, I love this. Listen, Romans 4, you need to nail down Isaiah 43. You need to hang on to this thing and uh, hold on to it. Let's, let me give you another one because you might need two of these depending on what happens in your life. Turn with me to Psalm 91. All of Psalm 91 needs to be memorized by any believer anyway. Psalm 91, but I don't give you just one verse in here. Well, I might throw in two. I might throw in a free one. Psalm 91. Right, here, here's what we're looking at here. God's track record is not to keep people from trouble. I will be with you in trouble. So if you're looking for a trouble-free life, you can forget it, Doc. You're on the wrong planet. If the Bible is true and there is a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, you can forget a trouble-free life. That's called heaven. I love, excuse me, Psalm 91. Wonderful passage here. Verse 14, Psalm 91, 14 said this, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will do what? I will deliver him. I'll set him on high because he's known my name. Watch verse 15. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him. Where? Where's God going to be with you? Where do you find God at? In trouble. I will be with him. in. What is it about it? We've still got this thing on us that we just expect. There's some magical chant I can say or some prayer I can pray where my life will be comfortable. I will be with you in trouble. Guess what you can expect from now on? I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him and with long life I will satisfy him. All right, here's the simple. I'm sort of hammering this in right now, but we've got to get this. We've got to understand this. God Almighty blesses people and delivers people in trouble. I'll be honest with you. I've had a lot of things happen to me in my, all my 90-some-odd years, whatnot. I know God pretty well. I mean, I don't know Him as well as I should, not as well as I'm going to, but I know Him, guess where I met Him most of the times? In the fire. And I'm going to tell you i got the place in my life now, I'd rather have a fire with Jesus in it and experience Him in it than to be living cush without Him. I got to write, You say, you're perverted. You're sick. I'm exciting. I love experiencing Jesus in the middle of a mess. And if you're going to get to know him, this is where you're going to get to know him right here. Little messes, big messes, all he'll he'll manage any kind of mess. All righty. Now, the Bible said this. We need to learn to stop smoking and start shining. All right. One of the great passages that talks about our day right now. Now, Daniel was written 600 years before Jesus was born. But some of the Bible speaks to this day and it's called future prophecy. One of those places is Luke 21 where the Bible said this, before the second coming of Jesus and it lists the things that will be happening in the earth. And guess what? One of the things it says is global pestilence. The word pestilence means disease. Has anybody heard of any global diseases going around lately? And it said this, that times will become, listen, before the second coming of Jesus, it's going to get pretty rough on this planet. And let me tell you how it describes it in Luke 21. Men's hearts will be failing them for the fear of the things coming on the earth. Good news. Let me tell you what the next verse says. When you see these things begin to happen, lift up your head, celebrate because your redemption draweth nigh. Did you hear what God just said right there? When you see trouble coming, you need to start shouting. When you see trouble, do you understand how that the enemy just stands there and goes, what do I do with him? What do I do with her? How do you hand, handle people that celebrate when we come close? Come stop smoking, start shining. righty. Number four, when God finds faith, he always shows up. Yeah. When God finds somebody that will do what they did, when he finds somebody, now listen, all those other Jews that bowed down and played the king's game, God didn't stop loving them. He didn't stop blessing them but they did not experience him and know his deliverance either. And when God finds somebody who says, either God will deliver me or I'll die. Either God will save this family or we're not going to make it. Either God will carry me or I'll fail. When he finds somebody that stretches themselves out on him completely, entirely, not God plus the bank, not God plus Dr. So would say, I mean, God alone. He is, he's magnetized to that attitude. I'm going to give you another great one you need to hold on to. Turn with me to 2 Chronicles. Let me show you something he's looking for today. 2 Chronicles. You can find 1 and 2 Samuel, Kings, and then the Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 16. All right, let me tell you something about 2 Chronicles 16. Let me tell you something about this verse. Memorize this verse. Get it down inside of you till it rolls around like a marble in a shoebox. Meditate on this thing. Be able to quote this back. Pull it out. Tell the Holy Spirit, explode this in my heart. Let me show you what God's doing right now in the earth. This is the verse that tells us what God is doing right now in the earth. I love this verse. This is, do you all remember the movie Shrek? You remember when Shrek was going to go back to the village and he said, who wants to go with me? And uh, he's trying to find everybody and the donkey wanted to go and donkey said, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. And Shrek trying to find somebody else. But That donkey kept saying, pick me. And he finally took the donkey with him. When you read this verse, you're gonna see me acting like that donkey in front of God saying, Pick me, pick me, pick me. 2 <laughs> Chronicles 16:9, one of the greatest verses in the Bible. 2 Chronicles 16:9, the eyes of the Lord run. Does it say run R-U-N or R-A-N? Did the eyes of the Lord run throughout the earth in Bible days or are they running right now? The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. God's looking for something to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart completely trusts in him. God's looking all over. Right now, God's looking all over the earth and his eyes are looking all over the earth trying to find somebody who will say, either God will help me or I won't be helped. I'm not going to help myself. I'm not going to call somebody. Nobody's even going to know about this. I want God alone to deliver me and help me and take care of me. He's looking all over for somebody like that. And guess what I'm doing? I'm like, I'm like the donkey. I'm going, pick me, pick me. God is looking for somebody that will put faith in him alone and put themselves in a position where if he don't come through, I'm going to die. And that's what those boys did. They said, kill us, throw us in the fire. Our God will come through. And when they did that, guess who showed up every time? Listen, he's just looking for somebody Somebody like that right now that he can trust in. righty, the American church today in this nation right now, we have got to get back to faith in God. People often ask, why is God doing such great things in the southern part of Africa, the Middle East? But he's not doing much in America. Well, it's real simple. All they've got is God. We've got high tech, well-educated, fancy programs, Wall Street, Madison Avenue. All they've got is God. The American church is going to have to get back to faith in God. We have to reach a place to where circumstances don't rule our lives. God's word alone rules our lives. Number five, turn back to the book of Daniel. Let's go back to Daniel if you can find it. I got you bouncing all over your Bible this morning. It's good. We need to break that thing in. Daniel chapter three. And uh, I, I just love this passage. But it wasn't enough. There's to fixing shift gears here now. It was not enough that God delivered them. I want to make an announcement. God loves you. He wants to help you. But there's more on His mind than just you. God loves everybody. When He told us how to pray, He did not say, say, my Father. He said, say, our Father. God wants to help everybody, not just you. And He needs somebody to help Him, help them, and you are it. All right, God delivered them. That was great. But listen, something greater than that happened. They got out of the fire, and people gathered around, and they said, How come you don't smell like smoke? Your hair's not even burned. And God, God spoke to these people and revealed himself to these people through these men and their faith in God. I'm going to make an announcement. And here it is. This is, this is a blistering announcement from heaven. This is Matthew chapter five, verse 14 in the Sermon on the Mount. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Years ago, when I first started following Jesus, we had a saying, you're the only Bible some folks will ever read you the only Bible somebody. I said, I don't want nobody watching my life. Whoa, 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 back up. You can't say that. You are. He didn't say you should be. You are the light of the world. What's the only reason Jesus didn't take me to heaven the moment I got saved? Can't be but one reason. It wasn't for my sake. I maybe know heaven's better than right here. I mean, heaven to me would be like Wyoming. I miss the greatest place you've ever been. You, you can ride horses, you can fish, you can hunt all day long and praise Jesus all night. It's wonderful. Go to great meetings. So why did I stay on this earth after I got said, so there's only one reason I'm still on this planet after I know Jesus and it's you. You are the light of the world. Now Americans don't, we got this stinking attitude about don't, nobody watching me. You ain't got no choice, Bubba. You are the light of the world. You are here to show this world how great your God is. Not to show them how great you are. Show them how great your God is. I'm going to ask you a question. These men, their faith that carried them through this fire, did it have an effect on other people? Before long, the king who hated God is now worshiping him because of what they went through. And you are the light of the world. That's why the Bible teaches you and me. I, I just love, not only, not only did he, did they, they, not only did God work a miracle, he worked a miracle for them three boys. And can you not see the love of God for that king and those people that threw him in the fire? So that even through their faith, he touched them. All right. I'm giving you the great verses this morning. I'm going to give you one more and I'm going to show you where we get this stop smoking and start shining from. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians in the New Testament. I quote this verse in prayer every day. I pray this verse every day and I would encourage you to pray it also. Pray it in faith. This is one of the great promises of God in the Bible and one of the great words you'll ever hear. And every day during my prayer time, I quote this verse and I believe him for it and I declare it over me. And over my life, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 says this, excuse me, 14, 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Now, let's just stop right there. What's the word now mean? We're not back in 600 B.C. like Daniel was. We're talking about 2020. This is the church with 2020 vision. Now, the Bible says this, thanks be to God who always, what's the word always mean? You say, well, brother Brian, don't you, listen, get out of your head, get in your Bible. Quit leaning on your own understanding and start trusting in the Lord with all your heart. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. You know what that means? Doc, it's like championship wrestling. It's a fixed fight. Before I ever get in the ring with the mass bolo, he might put some dents in me and he might put some dings on me, but I will win this match. Thanks be unto God who always... You need to pray that every day over your life. Father, I praise you and thank you that you always cause me to triumph in Christ Jesus. Now, wouldn't that be great? But he didn't stop there. Watch this. A little bit more than that to it. Verse 14, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. You know what a fragrance diffuser is? That's something that diffuses a fragrance. I got one stuck in the wall in my office. People come in my office and say, hmm, smells good in here. Well, it's not me. It's that thing that diffuses that sweet fragrance. What does the Bible say? God's going to let this world smell the beauty of Jesus by what you go through. That's what it means. Stop stinking and start shining. I get around some believers once in a while and I just go, You sure do smell like smoke. I've been through the fire, Brother Brian. I've been through the fire. I've been through the fire. You need to stop stinking and start shining. I'm not, listen, I'm not being unkind this morning. I'm just telling you. We got to reach a place where, and I know comfort is wonderful, but you know what's better than being comforted? Having your faith built to the point to where you don't smell like smoke. What you think that means, they didn't smell like smoke. What they had been through had no effect on them. Instead of smelling like smoke, they smelled like God. What does the Bible say? If just, if that one verse, 2 Corinthians two fourteen, if that one verse would be reality in our lives, then knowing no matter what I go, go through, God's going to deliver the knockout punch in the end and people are going to go, I smell God all over this thing. Man, I smell Jesus in here. Our goal is not to smell like smoke. Our goal is to smell like Jesus because we are the light of the world. I've seen people like this. I've seen people that have been through stuff and I thought, how did you get through that? They not only got through it, they were glowing in the dark. And there's only one explanation. That's God. That's God's touch on him. Listen, to me. I'm not that great a Christian. You'll, You'll do just fine. It didn't say he makes people great Christians. It says he delivers the knockout punch and shows the world. This is what God smells like right here. This is the sweet smell of Jesus right here. This this is such a wonderful passage right here. You are the light of the world. Now listen, your family needs to smell Jesus. Y'all struggling with that light of the world thing, aren't you? You're going to have to take it up with the one who said it. Your family needs to smell it. Where you work at, people need to smell Jesus. Did I just say they need to smell religion? No, sir, buddy. You do religion, all you're going to see from me is heels and elbow. I'm getting out of here. They need to smell the beauty of Jesus. Listen to this great, pray this prayer right here. I, I know I'm giving you a lot to pray. You need to pray this great prayer right here out of Psalm 90. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Let His love, let His joy, let His peace, let His freedom, let His grace, let, let, His, let God's glory be upon us. St- Blessed dear hearts. What if we had a character of the modern Christian going through this day. It's a little fellow. He's got suit all over him. Smoke rising up off of him. This world don't need to see smoke. They need to see Jesus. And he's that good. He's that good to deliver. Alrighty. Your circle of friends need to see it. Let me give you one more and I'm done. God gives double for your trouble. God wants to give you double for your trouble. We won't look back at it. You've already seen it. Alright. They come out of this Fire. Everybody's gathered around. They don't smell like smoke. What they went through had no effect on them. You couldn't even tell they'd been in it. What they went through in their faith caused even people that hated God, little arrogant, self-centered, self-worshippers to start praising and worshiping God. What's the last verse say? And the king promoted them. See, they thought they were going to get killed. They not only came out as good as they were, they came out with double for their trouble. They came out ahead of where they were. This is the nature of our great God. It's not about just, if you want to smell like smoke and stand around singing just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away. Help yourself. I want to come out smelling like Jesus and have God raise me up because of my faith in the fire. I want to come out being promoted, uh, greater influence, greater opportunity. Here's the deal. Here's Here's an equation. Faith in the fire equals promotion by God. Why is that the last verse in that passage? Why is the last thing that passage said they were promoted? You said, well, well, pastor, the Bible said the king promoted them. God promoted them. I want you listen to what the Bible said. Promotion comes neither from the north, the south, the east, or the west. The Lord our God raises one up and puts one down. Matter of fact, in that same passage, Daniel four seventeen, the scripture says this, the Lord God rules in the affairs of men. He raises one up. He puts one down. God promotes people and gives people favor and bless. I'm not just talking about getting a job promotion at work. How would you like for God Almighty to promote you in the eyes of your children so that they have a role model? I'm talking about all kinds of promotion. I mean, in other words, just God's good hand on the situation. Faith in the fire is what brings promotion. We need to hold, listen, we need need to hold to that. Alrighty. The enemy's goal was to destroy them. God's goal was to promote them. Doesn't that sound just like the truth? Does not the thief come to steal, kill, and destroy? Did not Jesus come to give abundant life and keep raising it up? Guess what it all hinged on? Faith. It all hinged on their faith inside of the fire. All right. Here's my conclusion. This great God is looking for a faith so he can show himself strong for somebody. Don't stop there. And through somebody. For somebody and through somebody. All right. I'm going to pray in just a second. But before I do, I, since, I, since I don't have you here with me, I, you need some homework. You know, the teachers are doing, they're sending homework home with the kids and stuff. So I'm sending you some homework this week. Here's your homework. Number, I'm, three things I want you to do. Number one, I need for you to buy your Bible. You say, Brother Brown, why, why would you tell me to buy a Bible? When I see people standing around smoking, I wonder if they got a Bible or not. You need to buy your Bible. Now, listen, if you got one, don't get another and Just keep the one you got. Buy your Bible. Number two, read it read about your great God in that Bible. You want God to speak to you? Open his book and pray. Talk to me through this book. Learn about your great God in this book. Learn the things that he says to you in this book. Listen, if I were to come to you, and I've done this to people before. If I were to come to you and I had a real serious look on my face, which ain't going to happen often. If I had a real serious look and I said, God's given me a word for you. I guarantee you they'd sit up straight and say, what is it, brother Brian? I've done that a time or two and I gave them the word and they said, you know, Brother Brown had a word from God for me. What I didn't tell them was, I looked it up in here. You say, oh, that's a dirty trick. No, no, no. This is the word from God. And we need to buy us a Bible and we need to open it. There was, faith doesn't come from a closed Bible. Faith comes from an open Bible saying, talk to me. Show me who you are. And then number three, after you get your Bible and start reading it, start believing what it says. That's your homework. Start believing what it says. Listen, you tell your fear, you're lying to me. Tell your emotions, I can't trust you anymore. You tell your circumstances, shut the hell up. I'm not cussing, I'm just telling you where it comes from. And you need to say what these boys said, my God is able. Big deal, my God will. But if for some reason, even if he wouldn't, I'll die in the trying. Son, that moves heaven and just leaves the enemy going, we ain't got nothing left to hit him with. God's word is good. All right, let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, we love you and thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness. I praise you and thank you that the God almighty, the everlasting God who was in that fire with them three boys. Father, I praise you. This is not a parable. This really happened. Thank you that the God that was in the fire with those boys is in this room with me right now. I praise you that the God that they had is the God I have. I thank you that the deliverer that they had is the deliverer that I have. I thank you that you love me and everybody listening to me just as much as you did them three boys. And now I want to praise you and thank you that they lived under the old covenant and I live under a better covenant based on better promises than they had. And if that old covenant would do that for them, what will the new covenant on better promises do for me and these listening? I want to praise you and thank you for the days we're living in. I praise you and thank you that no weapon formed against me, my family or my church will prosper. I declare it in the strong name of Jesus. Bring us to a place of faith to where nothing except the Word of God rules in our life. Nothing around us can rock our world anymore and let us come out of anything we go through instead of smelling like smoke, shining like Jesus so that people smell the beauty of God in this house. Dear Lord Jesus, we've done all we can do in our strength. It's time for you to show up. Let Jesus be glorified in every heart and home in this place. In his precious name we pray, amen.